Good morning. I love y'all. I mean it. I, uh, when I get together with y'all on uh, Sunday morning, I'm just hoping that we all get touched by the love of God again in a new way for the first time or the thousandth time. Um, how many of you were here last week for either of the services? Yeah, it, it was, um, for me, I, I just kind of want to recap because Sunday morning, the Lord uh, showed up and I hear a woo over there to testify. Any other woos to testify? There we go. The Lord showed up in a way that um, was unexpected and uh, just tears and weeping and deliverance. And I don't, I don't know all that God was doing in our hearts. I just know that like water was pouring forth from like half the faces in the room. And um, there was travail and, and um, Corey Russell and Dana Russell, you know, they, they show, shared their story and it was just so powerful. And during ministry time, you know, a lot of people just came forward and just began weeping in the presence. And again, we don't know all that God was doing, but I mean, sign me up for that. You know, like uh, we, we don't wanna just play church and, and you know, say great things. We, uh, we don't want, no one's faith ever needs to rest on fine sounding arguments. It needs to rest on experiencing the glory of the Lord manifestations of the spirit's power amen a man with an experience will always beat a man with an argument and we experienced god last week and that's just all there is that's all there is to it um i i I couldn't stop weeping like sobbing loudly and there was no shame in it like normally an american dude feels at least a tinge of embarrassment when he's weeping in public none of that I was sobbing over complete strangers. All I could do is weep and pray in tongues. And, and everyone I laid my hands on started weeping. Um, it was just God you know, doing something. And it was fun. And, and then uh, something really similar happened in the evening. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm teaching today on the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But um, I'm really just hoping that God interrupts me again. Is it okay if we just make room for the Holy Spirit to interrupt anything that we're doing? Okay. Jesus, you heard us. We give you permission to do whatever you want to do. Um, And speaking of uh, people who understand and have experienced a lot of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, I want to honor some guests today. We have Truman and Jane Spring. Can you stand up? They are elders of ours visiting from Dallas. We're blessed to have you guys. Thank you for coming. And also, um, Autumn and Justin Williams, can you stand up? Um, Autumn and Justin have been part of the upper room for 10, 9, forever, all the years. Justin's an incredible worship leader and songwriter and, and entrepreneur, and, and Autumn is over uh, our, our global, like Upper Room Global. They moved to Denver to start Upper Room Denver with a handful of other couples, and we just want to honor you guys for all the years and all the hard moments and all the times you said yes when it was way easier to say no. 
And so thank you. And um, can, we, can we pray for what's going on and just bless it? Um, any moment now, they've been in, in the process of um, adopting. And any moment now, a 20-year-old young lady is going to give birth to their child. It could happen today. Can we pray for that? Okay. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for this young woman and this child. We bless the birth. We bless um, everything having to do with handing that baby off to this wonderful young couple. God, we ask that you would, oh, Jesus, you just fill them with wisdom, revelation. You bless them with finances and favor. And just to let the, the father heart of God rest on Justin. Let the mother heart of God rest on Autumn. In Jesus' name, amen. What a day of celebration. Jesus, always birthing something good. Okay, open up your Bibles to Matthew 3, 11. If you have uh, the analog version of the Bible, I want to hear the, pa the pages flipping. If you have the digital, just turn in your iPhone with us. Matthew 3, 11. This is John the Baptist saying, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not fit to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. All right, one book over, flip to Mark, chapter one, verse seven. I wanna hear, hear those Bible pages flipping. And this was John the Baptist's message. After me will come one more powerful than I, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. All right, flip one book over. Luke chapter three, verse 16. There it is. <laughs> Jesus. And John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one more powerful than I will come, the thongs of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Yes. Woo! All right, flip one more book over. <laughs> this is John, the book of John. John 1, 26. I baptize you with water, John replied. But among you stands one that you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, 
the thongs of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. She ba 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 ba. And then skip on down. This is him finishing his thoughts here. The man on whom you see the Spirit come and remain is he who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. So why did we just do this, this Bible exercise? You guys remember like youth group and, and uh, Sunday school days when some, the, the teacher would shout out a verse and you had to get to it real quick. Well, that was good practice. We just did like a fun Bible reading exercise. But what I want to have happen today is that we remember one of the most important points in all of scripture, in all of history, in all of God's heart. I wanted us to get dunked in those scriptures like John dunked people in water. You guys know that John the Baptist, his name isn't John T. Baptist, right? Like his middle name isn't the, his last name isn't Baptist. He's known as John the Baptist because that's just what he did. He was really obsessed with baptizing people and baptizo just means to immerse or literally to dunk fully underwater. And so John is the baptizer and he came to prepare the way for the savior. And what's crazy is that he described why he's here and that verse you know, I came to baptize with water, but there's one coming after me who's mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie, and he'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit. That verse is verbatim in all four gospels and in Acts, which is actually bizarre. I, I, I couldn't think of another verse that shows up in all four gospels and gets quoted again in, in Acts, word for word. It's pretty wild. And so... This is, this is really, really important. So John the Baptist was letting us know that there would be a lamb of God who would come, who would take the, away the sins of the world, and he would be the one who brings the promise of the Father, which is to be dunked, immersed in the Holy Spirit. And the reason I wanted us to read all those verses and flip the Bible and, and see it for ourselves is because John was doing something routine, but when he dunked people in water, like they wouldn't forget it, right? It, it's, it's, a, it's a very memorable moment when a guy, you know, who's just this wild man who, you know, lived in the wilderness dunked you in a river. So it's, an, it's a very important moment that they remembered their whole life. But while John was doing it, he was saying, I dunk you in water, but one's coming who will dunk you in the Holy Spirit. I dunk you in water, but one's coming who will dunk you in the Holy Spirit. I baptize you with water, but you're gonna get baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so he's giving them a memorable moment with a message, which is why it ended up in all the gospels. It's all John had to say. It was his favorite message. See, the immersion mixed with the message to everyone is what made it so everyone knew that something more important was coming. And John had all of the Judean countryside. This is Mark 1, 5. All of the Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. All. The Bible isn't like an exaggerator. The Bible said that all the peoples. So 
if you, I looked up like estimates of how many people lived in that day and uh, historians think that there were about uh, 100,000 Jews in Jerusalem, but about 4 million total in the surrounding countryside. So somewhere between 100,000 and 4 million, John the Baptist, all day long. I baptize you in water, but you're gonna get baptized in the Holy Spirit. I baptize you in water, but one's coming after me mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not even worthy to touch. He's gonna baptize you with the Holy Spirit all day long. This is his mission. John dunked more people than all of the NBA. He has more dunks. And John was, his, his message, I, I think he probably just started like singing it. He must have like got it down to a song because he's probably thinking, you know, he's imagining the day when people are going to be dunked into God and get all of God. And he's thinking, um, you know, I can put you in a river, but he'll turn you into a river. John could put people in a river that Jesus would turn us into rivers. And Jesus confirmed that this was his mission in John seven thirty seven. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now, he, now this he said about the spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the spirit had not yet been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. And this is actually an echo of what Jesus spoke to the Samaritan woman at the well. He said, whoever drinks the water I give will never thirst again. Can you guys say never thirst again? Never thirst again. What a promise to not just desire and hunger and thirst, but to be satiated, to be satisfied in God. You know that we're not brought into the thirst party or the, the hunger party, we're brought into the satisfied party. See, the old way was getting a drink of relief, the new is to never thirst again. There's a, a, a shadow of this painted in the Old Testament with the, the priests who had to get ceremonially cleansed. Can I get a, Vincent, you're my volunteer. Come on up, man. <clears throat> He's been my friend for like 30 years. He has no choice. Okay, Vincent. Yes, please correct my notes for me. <laughs> Theologian. <clears throat> okay, Vincent is the high priest. So what we're gonna do, you ready? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm not gonna throw water on him. Here, let's, let's sprinkle a little water on you. We're just washing you off, cleansing you. <clears throat> There's all these ceremonies that he goes through to be decontaminated before going into the sacred space of the Holy of Holies to pre present the, the offering, right? And so he has to be decontaminated from everything that lessens his life force because he's about to go into the source of all life itself. 
So he's, he's all cleaned up. And now it's, it's the day. The day has arrived, Priest Vincent, for you to go into the Holy of Holies. So come on in here. You're, you've passed through the outer courts into the holy place, past the brazen altar. You remember that song? Lord, I want to see your face. So Vince is now in the holy of holies. Lucky. <laughs> Lucky, right? Who, who wants to be like Vince right now and be in the holy of holies, right? It's awesome. But did you know that God did one better? He one-upped it. He one million upped it by one sacrifice. He turned you all into the sacred space in which he would dwell by his spirit. Hey, 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 hey. Oh, <laughs> I love talking about the Holy Spirit dwelling in man suits, right? You can go now. Thank you. You've done great, Vincent. <clears throat> so he didn't just, he was tired of like having to decontaminate people so that they could come into a sacred space so that he could meet with them and talk to them and, and all this stuff. He, he got so sick of it. He's like, all right, here I come. I'm going to get them all. And by one man's sacrifice, made atonement, made us at one with the Father, reconciling the world to himself. Is this not great news? He sent a perfect man who by his death would cleanse us all so that humanity would become the sacred space where God could live by his spirit. See, the old way was to decontaminate physically, but the good news is that he removed the soul disease from us so that the lover of our souls could make his habitation within us. And how did he do this? Through death, resurrection, and ascension. When Jesus died, he didn't just die for us, he died as us. This is the, the mystical union. This is what prophets and angels had longed to look into. This is Jesus being our vicarious sacrifice in whom are all things. This is Colossians 1.20, and through whom to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven. Is there anything other than on earth or in heaven? Nope. nope. Good answer. <laughs> to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. See, John the Baptist said that Jesus would be the lamb of God who would take away or remove the sins of the world. And, and we understand more deeply now, like better now that he didn't just remove them or like brush them off. He said, put them all on me. And he carried our affliction, our sin disease into the grave. And he left it there. 
and he came back. This is the resurrection. This is the verse uh, I wanna read to you. It's 1 Corinthians 15, 21 through 22. For as by a man came death, by a man has also come the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Guys, it gets even better. See, the the apex or the climax or the best part or the most powerful moment of Jesus's ministry isn't the resurrection. It's the ascension. Y'all ready? Listen, when when the spirit was poured out in the book of Acts, which we're gonna get to in a moment, Peter gets up and gives this incredible speech. He's just filled with the spirit and prophetically unveils Christ to this crowd of people. But in his Pentecost speech, the climax of God's work in Jesus is not the death or resurrection, but Jesus being exalted again to the right hand of God. And he, he reiterates this again in Philippians 2, his famous hymn, where he's saying, Jesus, although he was equal with God, didn't consider equality with God a thing to be grasped or forcefully taken, but made himself nothing. So like that, that hymn, he skips right over the resurrection and, and he says, um, <clears throat> let me read this to you. He skips over the resurrection and moves straight from Jesus's death to Jesus being exalted to the highest place. So why am I saying this is the most important? And why is Paul saying this is the most important? Why is he so excited about this? Put your seatbelts on. This is Ephesians 2, verse six. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace that you've been saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. I didn't seat myself in heavenly places. He did. Did any one of you figure out how to see yourself in heavenly places? What a mystical and glorious truth this is. The ascension. And this is what Jesus says to Mary after he, he comes back from the grave and it's before he ascends and Mary's wanting to like cling him. He's going, Rabboni, you know, <laughs> like trying to grab his ankles or something because Jesus is back. And Jesus says, I, I'm ascending. Don't, don't, don't cling to me yet. I haven't yet ascended to the father, I, but I, I'm going to ascend to my father and your father. To my God and your God. See, Jesus came along and he was the first one to call Yahweh dad, Abba, father, right? That's like almost the entire, entirely the only way that he referred to him as he prayed, father, our father in heaven. If you've seen me, you've seen the father. And the the, the disciples are, are amazed that he would call Yahweh God because they were brought up with you know all the the scrolls the Old Testament stories and God revered and feared and but here comes Jesus and he's relating to Yahweh king of the universe as father and then after his death he says to all of us he's your dad too
Can you guys open up to Acts 1? This is uh, where we get our namesake, Upper Room. Jesus. Acts 1, 3. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Keep going. On one occasion, while eating with them, he gave this command. Don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised. The gift, the promise of the father. You know, there are many promises in scripture to us who believe, but there's only one referred to as the promise, the one, the promise of the father, which you heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And all the disciples are thinking, oh, yes. This is what we've been waiting for. You guys know, when when John was imprisoned, he sent his disciples to Jesus to ask him, are you the one? Come on, tell us, are you the one or should we start looking for another? Sounds kind of like sassy, right? Like John's got a little sass on him. Like, calm down, John, you're speaking to the Messiah. And, and, And I don't think it's because John was just in a dark place. He was in prison. I don't think it was necessarily that he was like full of doubt, but he was wondering, hey, I've heard you're doing a lot of great things, but what about baptizing everyone in the Holy Spirit? Are you the one who's going to dunk people into the river of God and turn them into the river of God? Flip over to one chapter over. This is the disciples waiting as Jesus commanded them. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? How is it that each of us hears them in our own native language. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Pergia, Pergia, 
and Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. Peter then stood up with the 11, raised his voice and addressed the crowd, fellow Jews, and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk as you suppose. It's only 11.34 in the morning. <laughs> and he goes on to say, this is the fulfillment of the pro what the prophet Joel said. In the last days, I'm gonna pour out my spirit. This is incredible. So, the Holy Spirit is poured out. They are uh, empowered to be witnesses to God. And what they're able to do is speak in a whole bunch of languages or at least speak in a way where people are hearing their own language. It's not really clear. It's just happening. People are hearing the wonders of God in all languages of the earth. Amazing. On top of the, I mean, the, the, the mighty rushing wind and the tongues of fire resting on them. This is a, a very notable moment. It goes on to say that 3,000 people were added to the church that day. 3,000 people were added to the church from that drunken display of the glory of God. Isn't it funny that manifestations of God like this are usually the thing that churches fear as the thing that's gonna alienate people when God used this moment to pour out his spirit to show the most effective way of gathering the harvest. See, Pentecost is originally the celebration of the feast of the harvest. They're celebrating like the first day of the harvest of the wheat fields. Jesus, when he was talking about his death said, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Jesus talking about his death, resurrection, and ascension, and outpouring of the Holy Spirit says that I'm just the seed of wheat. Wait until you see what comes when Satan buries me like a seed. It's as if the devil didn't know what happens when you bury a seed. Maybe some of you feel like a buried seed. Maybe some of you have buried dreams of your heart like seeds in the soil of God's future for you. See, if the rulers of this age knew what they were doing, they never would have crucified the Lord of glory. 1 Corinthians 2.8. Because in so doing, they enacted the moment through which God would pour out his spirit into the hearts of humanity unlike any other time in all of history and inaugurate the great gathering of all people groups of the earth back into the heart of God. See, what happened 
the Tower of Babel, Michael's been preaching on this recently, Michael Miller, our founder, what happened at the Tower of Babel is that everybody had one language. And they said, we're gonna make ourselves like God. We're gonna make a name for ourselves. We're gonna build a tower to the heavenlies. And God looked at that moment and said, if they do this, nothing's going to be impossible for them. Have you ever like stopped and thought about that? Again, the Bible doesn't exaggerate and God doesn't lie. So something was happening with that tower of Babel that was going to enable these people to do crazy things. Nothing will be impossible for them if they finish this, which means it's not just a building. God doesn't care if we build a tall building. They were building a center for some sort of spiritual worship that would enable them to do all sorts of horrible things. And God looks at this moment, confuses their language, disperses them. And then the very next chapter says, he found Abram, called him from a place, made a nation out of him. And the seed from that nation would be Jesus, who would re-inherit every nation that has been dispersed back into the heart of God. This is the mystery that Paul talks about in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians 2.15 says that out of Every nation, he's made one new humanity. Isn't this incredible news, you guys? We've been reconciled to the heart of the Father and he's poured out his spirit into us. Can I get the worship team up? Holy Spirit, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Jesus, we're gathered here in great expectation for you, in great expectancy for you, Holy Spirit. You are our King. You are the lover of our souls. We worship you. Thank you, Jesus. 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 We are grateful. We are grateful. Look at what you've done. Look at what you've done. We've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer us who live, but you're living through us, Jesus. We welcome you, Holy Spirit, to make this known to us in greater degrees, to make this known to us in tangible ways, Holy Spirit. We welcome you to touch our hearts, to move upon us. We welcome you, Holy Spirit, and your power and your love to do a work of transformation again. Come again, Holy Spirit. Come again, Holy Spirit. Thank you that you've seated us in heavenly places. We've been raised up with Christ Jesus. We've been blessed with every spiritual blessing that is in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.